0: Welcome to the American Lung Association's Tobacco Cessation Policy Podcast. My name is Angie Giulio, and I'll be your host. This episode of the podcast will explore tobacco cessation and health systems change. Research tells us that 7 in 10 smokers want to quit. Unfortunately, that same research also tells us that only 1 in 10 smokers quit successfully, and only half of smokers are asked by their health professional if they want to quit. Today's episode explores how Essentia Health it's changing their health system to improve tobacco cessation, both in terms of asking patients if they want to quit smoking, helping them quit smoking, and making sure they stay quit. I talked with Jill Doberstein of Essentia Health, and I'm going to play that conversation that we had now, and um, hopefully you get as much out of it as I did. It's They're doing really great stuff, and we're really excited to show what Jill's been doing.
1: Hi, I'm Jill Doberstein been working in the field of tobacco prevention and control for the last 15 years, and I currently manage a robust inpatient and ambulatory tobacco treatment program, including 50 certified tobacco treatment specialists who provide face-to-face counseling to our patients here in Minnesota, North Dakota, and Wisconsin. Essential Health is a large integrated health system serving patients at 17 hospitals and 66 clinics.
0: So how did you, Jill, and your organization, Essential Health, decide to prioritize tobacco cessation and tobacco cessation treatment? Healthcare
1: organizations play a key role in addressing tobacco use by ensuring tobacco dependence treatment is consistently incorporated into patient care. We started here at Essential Health about three years ago, um, identifying the gaps that we had here within our health system. We were in the process of referring patients via fax to our state quit lines in North Dakota and Wisconsin, and what we heard from our providers is that they were fairly unhappy with the service. Uh, patients either didn't accept the call when it came, uh, they didn't enroll in the program, or we just simply never got to the finish line of, of helping patients become tobacco-free. Uh, I monitored our referrals to those state quit lines every month, and although we were working hard uh, to do that in our clinics and pushing our providers to put in referrals, I mentioned we still weren't getting to that end goal. So we decided as a health system to invest in uh, training our staff, actually cross-training staff to become certified tobacco treatment specialists, and offering best practice treatment here at Asensia, which is face-to-face counseling and medications to support them in their quit attempt. So we brought uh, in Mayo Clinic to offer a five-day certification course here at Essentia two times, actually, once in 2016 and once in 2017, and uh, over the course of the time have trained over 63 uh, staff to become certified tobacco treatment specialists.
0: That's really great. Do you mind taking a minute to explain a little bit more about how the tobacco treatment specialists are working within the healthcare system?
1: The majority of our tobacco treatment specialists are actually cross-trained, and they're RNs in the primary care clinics. So we decided early on to redesign the RN role uh, to work to the top of their scope and to be able to take a load off of some of the demand of our uh, physicians and advanced care practitioners. So uh, they do a number of things in terms of annual wellness visits, long-term care planning, uh, some do anticoagulation, things like that. But tobacco treatment specialist is a role that many of our RNs now have in the clinic setting. We do have a number of respiratory therapists who are also uh, trained and certified as tobacco treatment specialists, and most of them are in our inpatient settings in the hospital. Uh, They're already performing different procedures in the hospital with their respiratory therapy work, um, and so it made for a good fit to cross-train them as tobacco treatment specialists and offer bedside consultations uh, and get the patient started on a path to cessation there
0: as well. So one of the really cool things we've talked about in the past is the way that your program at Essentia Health is really working to help providers manage patients with chronic disease and comorbidities who also smoke. Do you mind telling me a little bit about what you're working on in that space?
1: Sure. Um, One of the things our health system is responsible for is uh, getting our patients to target and what we call our clinical quality dashboard. Uh, this impacts our paper performance and other uh, financial outcomes for our health system. One of those measures, or two of those measures, are our optimal diabetic care and optimal vascular care. Uh, so, within diabetes, for example, uh, there are five components, or the D5. and. Uh, tobacco use status is one of them. With vascular care, same thing, it's four components, and one of them is uh, tobacco use status. So to get to target, we found one of the major barriers in doing so is that tobacco use status. Patients can be compliant uh, in their blood pressure, their statin, uh, their BMI, all sorts of things, but it's the tobacco use piece that's been holding us back from getting to target in those measures. So one of the ways that we reach patients, our chronic disease patients, is by utilizing New Year's resolutions as a way to connect with them. We've worked within our Healthy Planet module in Epic to do bulk mailings to the patients, uh, not a target in the D5 or IVD4. Um, And what we create is a letter uh, that talks about the risk factors of continued tobacco use on Vascular disease or the uh, um, inability to manage their diabetes because of continued tobacco use, and then talk about some of the benefits um, of our robust and very effective tobacco system program and what we offer here at Essentia. So that letter goes out, again, signed by their primary physician uh, just before the new year, and then I give those lists of patients that receive the letter to the tobacco treatment specialist in each of the clinics. Some clinics that are smaller might only have 10 or 15 patients and some that are larger might have 90 or 100 patients, but they're committed to calling every single patient at least once and some make more than one attempt. Uh, We create a unique reason for visit in Epic to track all of that outreach. and they're basically just calling to introduce themselves as the tobacco treatment specialist in their home clinic, uh, what we offer as a service for tobacco cessation, and then hopefully, you know, if they have time to do a little motivational interviewing, talk about their readiness or willingness to make a quit attempt, uh, encourage them to make an appointment and do that right then and there on the phone. Uh, so that's a couple of ways that we've worked to reach our um,
0: chronic disease patients. Wow, that is really cool. I can imagine that this is a big team effort. How do you and your team engage with providers to help patients quit smoking and help meet these important targets?
1: Well, one of the first things we did early on is make sure that providers understood that this wasn't asking them to do one more thing, that this was actually taking something off their plate. We understand that spending the amount of time it takes to counsel a patient, uh, to motivate a patient to make a quit attempt, and then to do that follow-up is really time that our providers, physicians, advanced care practitioners don't have. Um, like many healthcare organizations across the country, access is an issue. So we decided to use a specialist model. Um, and just reminded them that this is taking something off your plate. These folks have been specially trained, uh, and then the data feedback portion has been really important and effective in terms of keeping that utilization high. So when we show them, look, you've referred these patients to us, and we've seen that a number of times, and now they've quit, and it's impacting their uh, you know, diabetes score, and it's impacting their depression rates, and it's impacting et cetera. And they found that really helpful and effective. And when, every time we do that, we see an increase in referrals. Uh, of course, there's always competing initiatives going on, whether it's the opioid epidemic or uh, something else that flags their attention. Um, those referrals can sometimes drop off. And so we do different uh, strategies to re them. But the number one thing is probably sharing that data and our outcomes because uh, they have been so successful that it's just a reminder of please utilize these folks because it does.
0: Jill, one of the coolest things about your program, kind of from my perspective, is really what you're doing to tie together um, cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular incidence and diabetes with smoking and smoking status, Um, and really kind of drawing out and really making a clear connection about the comorbidities that go along with smoking. Um, And I think it's really a great way to help people quit and help people recognize that by quitting, that can also improve their overall
1: health. Yes, and one of the ways that we do that also is through our inpatient tobacco cessation program. So top of mind is when someone has a heart attack, attack, a stroke, um, is having a surgery, or has just had an illness where they've needed to be hospitalized. And that's a really um, incredible opportunity to introduce tobacco cessation to them. Um, whether it's giving them nicotine replacement therapy just to manage their withdrawal symptoms while they're in the hospital or whether it's, you know, starting uh, the journey of long-term cessation in which case our in inter- or um, inpatient, I'm sorry, tobacco treatment specialists will then refer them on to the ambulatory tobacco treatment specialist in their home clinic. Uh, in fact, before they leave the hospital at discharge, we give them a uh, 6-week supply of nicotine replacement therapy and make that appointment uh, with their tobacco treatment specialist in tandem with their primary care physician follow-up, which usually happens 7 to 14 days after discharge. So it's very patient-centered. We don't ask them to come back twice on two different days. Um, And we found that warm handoff from the inpatient to the outpatient setting to be another very effective tool in our resources here of our tobacco cessation program. That's really, really cool.
0: Well, you mentioned a couple of things about outcomes around the project and the successes that you've had in helping people quit smoking. Could you talk a little bit about your successes and about some of the outcomes?
1: I'd love to. <laughs> um, so I mentioned, you know, we went from kind of the standard work of fax referrals into state lines and transitioning to building our own internal referral network and building capacity with uh, certifying tobacco treatment specialists. That's been about two and a half years now since we rolled out our internal referral program. And in those two and a half years, we referred 7,800 patients to face-to-face counseling here at Essential Health. Um And in terms of outcomes, we have a really great quit rate. Um, System-wide, not dependent on what type of interventions they have, whether they come one, two, three times, use medication or not, we have about a 40% success rate. Uh, But when we utilize best practice treatment, which we know is three or more face-to-face counseling sessions and utilizing medications to quit, we have a 51% success rate. The reason why we know that is because we have a dedicated person who does patient outreach and she calls every single patient six months after a referral order is placed. We ask them five questions. Um, Have you quit smoking or quit tobacco use for 24 hours or more in the last six months? Have you had a puff, even a puff, in the last seven days or last 30 days? Uh, That's consistent with what Mayo and many other um, uh, tobacco cessation programs are doing that helps us identify whether it's a short-term lapse or long-term relapse. If we have identified that they have relapsed or perhaps maybe they got a referral order but never came in, uh, we offer them the opportunity to either come in or come back in to meet with their tobacco treatment specialists. And if they agree, we will place a new referral order and schedule that appointment right then and there during that follow-up phone call. Then the last question that we ask them is how satisfied are they with the services they received here at Essential Health, which generally we've gotten very high remarks, but it does help us inform on a clinic-by-clinic and a specialist-by-specialist basis uh, if
0: there's a need for any coaching or process improvement. Jill, everything you've said so far today has been fascinating and just the great opportunities and great outcomes that you've seen through Connecting patients um, to cessation services, specifically when they're in the hospital for other events or just in general through kind of some of your quality measures and other processes that your hospital has and health system has. Um, what advice would you give for somebody else who's trying to start this type of health systems change in their own health system? It's a great question.
1: I think don't be afraid uh, to integrate. Best practice treatment. There's been enough research over the years to tell us what works, and we know what works is face-to-face counseling. And healthcare is the perfect opportunity to offer that to your patients. Um, for a long time, we've been using um, uh, the clinical practice guidelines, the five A's, um, but that's a lot to ask of a clinician, um, and I think we're f- really follow off or fall off. <laughs> Uh, is follow up. Um, So they just don't have the time, they don't have the management tools to do that. Uh, So the way we frame things here is really the two A's and an R. So ask, advise, and refer. We've just got to simply ask every patient at every visit about both their tobacco use and their willingness to make a quit attempt. Then what we're really relying on our physicians for is that advice to quit. We know patients have 66 greater chance of success in quitting if their physician says they should. Um, And we've really given our providers here some motivational interviewing tips, just real quick sound bites that they can use with patients to help motivate them to accept that referral. Then lastly, the R is the referral itself, and we've made that referral order accessible to all of the care team members. So when the rooming staff are rooming patients and doing that assessment of, uh, do you smoke or do you use tobacco, include any form of tobacco, including electronic cigarettes, and how ready or willing are you to make a quit attempt, uh, that referral order is available to them to queue up if the patient is interested, um, And then also an additional flag that we have in EPIC, our our electronic health record, is to have the BPA or best practice alert fire not just for our physicians and advanced care practitioners, but also for our rooming staff and for nursing. All members of the care team have that best practice alert fire saying, hey, this is a tobacco user. Make sure you assess. Um, And for the providers, make sure you advise and refer. Um, and then last but not least, our, our care team members are so used to following standard work. Um, so creating standard work around tobacco cessation, uh, the roles of each care team members and, and the ability they have to impact this change, uh, is really important. And right now we're in the process two and a half years later of, Uh, needing to reinforce that standard work. So we are in the process, um, starting in January, of doing a three-month PDSA cycle. PDSA stands for Plan, Do, Study, Act. Um, And making a few changes to our current workflow that we hope will help increase referrals and increase utilization of our tobacco treatment specialists. These are all, all tools and resources that healthcare is used to and very effective at using. So that's why I feel it's critically important at health systems really across the country um, address tobacco use in in a way that utilizes best practice treatment. One other piece of advice that I give is uh, to have a dedicated staff person to manage the tobacco treatment program. Uh, when I was hired uh, here at Essential Health three years ago, my sole role was to um, address systems change and integrate tobacco dependence treatment and it has certainly been a full-time job three years later it's still a full-time job sometimes i think health systems think well i'll give this to our quality partner or i'll give this to our uh, chronic disease manager or just make it an extra thing on someone else's plate and when you do that um you know, things give way. Uh, other things take precedence, and they don't have the focus that it takes to really build and integrate uh, a successful tobacco dependence treatment program across a large health system.
0: So obviously you've had a lot of success with this program, but you seem like the type of person who wants even more. So where do you and Essentia Health plan to go from here in terms of helping smokers quit?
1: You're right, I do want to see more happen, and I see the opportunities every day in the work that we're doing here at Essentia. So a couple of opportunities I've identified is with our pre-op patients, thinking about patients having um, some sort of upcoming surgery where the surgeon really does want them to quit. We know the benefits um, of quitting prior to surgery in terms of faster healing, um, lowering the number of days Uh, in the hospital, uh, reducing readmission rates, all of those great benefits that come from being tobacco-free prior to a surgery. So what we're hoping to do is implement an opt-out versus an opt-in process for our pre-op patients. So instead of a patient coming in and saying, well, I know you have this upcoming surgery and, you know, would you be interested in meeting with a tobacco treatment specialist? I think we need to start saying, I'd like to put in a referral order for you to meet with a tobacco treatment specialist. And they can help guide you through the process of quitting prior to surgery so you can experience all the benefits that come with being tobacco-free and having this surgery. So that opt-out messaging is something we're really hoping to implement with all of our pre-surgical patients. Another opportunity is with um, post-surgery. So, for example, um, in cardiology, our patients who have just had an MI um, are required to go to cardiac rehab. That's just part of the protocol of what happens after an MI or a hospital stay in cardiology. Well, why wouldn't we do the same to see our tobacco treatment specialists if they're a tobacco user? So again, it's sort of that opt-out, not opt-in. Like, I would like you to go to cardiac rehab once a week for six weeks, and I'd also like you to meet with a tobacco treatment specialist three times. Um, So starting to prescribe some of the things that we know have major impact and major benefits and really kind of push the needle. And that's what we're looking
0: to do next. Great. I can't wait to hear more about it. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And that about wraps it up for us today. Again, that was Jill Doberstein of Essentia Health. And thank you so much to Jill and to everyone at Essentia Health and everyone here at the American Lung Association. The music is by Jakob Goldman. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode of the American Lung Association's Tobacco Cessation Policy Podcast. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye.